On this episode of the Nesson Celtics podcast, Chelsea Sherrod and I break down the second round matchup as the Celtics will face the Bucks. We'll go from key matchups in this series to how you slow down Giannis Antetokounmpo and what Jason Tatum showed us in round one. We'll finish up with betting on ourselves for what we like for game one. Let's go. So Chelsea, the series, we all predicted after you saw how the bracket fell, but what we're excited to see, Bucks, Celtics, Eastern Conference semifinals, I had to be careful there, but once again, it feels like an Eastern Conference finals level matchup because either two teams that can win the whole thing and what you have in it, an MVP caliber showdown <laughs> between Giannis Antetokounmpo and Jason Tatum, I had to be careful there because Bucks Twitter was eating yeah, me alive they, last they were night. coming after you. And hey, much different team than who the Celtics just got past because hey, the Bucks can actually defend. They have the best defensive rating in the postseason so far. They have a defensive player of the year candidate, an MVP candidate, and Giannis Antetokounmpo, Drew Holiday. We'll get to all of that. What's your first impressions of Celtics, Bucks in round two? I am extremely excited for this series because I feel like everyone is hoping that we get what we thought we were going to get in this series that we didn't get in the Celtics-Nets series. I feel like that was extremely underwhelming. I mean, it was great to see the Celtics, like, take over and win in four. I mean, I had them, I had the series going seven games. I think you had it going six games. I had, I had Boston in six. In six. Okay, I had Celtics in seven. Um, but the fact that they swept the Nets was completely like out of left field for all of us. Um, the Nets just pretty much stunk up the place. I was so sad to see Kevin Durant just get completely like manhandled. And in we'll that get series. into how that happened. We will. But I'm really looking forward to this series. I think these teams are both more evenly matched um, and you just talked about how the Bucks can play defense. Um, they do also have some long wings that can definitely challenge Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So this is going to be a good one. And Giannis, of course, is – I mean, you covered him for years when you were working local before you came to Nesson. Um, but he's incredible. So I'm excited for this one. I'm going to say right off the bat, I think it's Celtics in seven. And I said that Ooh. before the Chris Middleton – injury but especially with Chris Middleton as most re recently reported he has a sprained MCL will miss this series now Grayson Allen and Middleton's absence has stepped up big time for the Bucks, averaging 25.4 points per game in just those two games it was against the Bulls who are literally banged up all the way to closing out that series but he's their assist leader second best shooter Middleton has always been a Celtics killer regular season postseason going all the way back to that Eastern matchup in 2018 that went to seven games between the Celtics and the Bucks. His absence is going to be felt heavily because defensively what he does is well. He's also a good shot creator, but what the Bucks do really well, they move the ball unlike the Celtics. They're not an iso ball dependent team. It starts with Giannis. To me, the biggest part is A, obviously making your shots for the Celtics because the Bucks are the best defensive rebounding team in the postseason. Because if you get Giannis out and running in transition, that's how he's going to kill you. Because what we saw with Jason Tatum and credit to Grant Williams and this whole defense, they put on a master Shout class on Grant. stopping Kevin Durant on how you limit him. That's got to be super physical to him, but he's a mid-range guy that rises up. Giannis is going to put his shoulder into you and run through you. Yeah, I think that the – okay, so you said Celtics in seven. Celtics in seven. Okay. Um, and I th they have home court. Like game seven in Boston do. is a big deciding factor. They do. They have the confidence and momentum. They have Jason Tatum who through the roof right now with his confidence, what he did defensively and what it's happening to him offensively. And I'll go into it further, but what they did in game two and game four stuck out to me on why the Celtics are a championship team. Okay. So you say Celtics in seven. Mm, I think I would probably go 
it's tough because I, I also really do like how the Celtics play on the road. Like, that doesn't scare me. Um, so I'm going to go Celtics in six just to keep it funky because I can't agree with you all the time. Uh, you I'm never gonna go, agree with <laughs> me. I'm going to go Celtics in six. But one thing about this Bucks team is obviously that they just have Giannis. I mean, he's a cheat code. And even when I was watching the uh, game five last night between the Bucks and the Bulls, the thing about Giannis is that you literally just like, you have to guard the pass so strong because if he catches it in the post, like it's over from there. Like he is too strong. He's too big. He'll just go right up with it. So you have to, for the Celtics, I think the biggest thing is guarding the passing lane for Giannis, not letting him even catch it. He's going to obviously get his boards, but I think that's going to be the biggest thing for him, for them. And I think it's going to come down to Grant Williams. And it's great that they have Rob back. And it's great that he said that he feels 100% and he's felt good after that series. So that's extremely promising for the Celtics. But yeah, guarding the pass for Giannis. Uh, Grayson Allen, he kind of, I mean, for me personally, because I don't follow the Bucks as closely, he played so well in the postseason. In that first series, he went, I think one game he went six for seven from three. One game he went five for seven from three. And that was huge for the Bucks. So for the Celtics, it's going to be, okay, get a hand on him. Because also, Grayson Allen is a slow-release shooter. So I think that if the Celtics can get up on him and get a hand in his face as quickly as possible, then they'll be able to kind of, like, lock him down. Um, but yeah, and it's good for that's big for a team that switches a lot. They depend on the defensive rotations yeah. too. It'll most likely be Al Horford with the assignment of Giannis, Rob Williams maybe on a West Matthews, Bobby Portis, depending how it goes. Where Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart will fall. But you have Rob Williams off of Giannis. He does a rotate over, plays that free safety role. If he's on the floor at the same time as Al, when you have Grant coming off the bench too, he's a guy that could get that Giannis assignment too. He's going to be a fire hydrant, lower center of gravity for him. Shout out Short King Spring, even though Giannis, of course. Grant is tall, <laughs> but shout out to him on that, where he's going to have to use his size and his strength. You got to slow down Giannis. You got to stay in front of him. He'll put his shoulder into you, but you can't budge and let him get his way. And that's a guy you brought up his passing and the entry level passes. Giannis grew up wanting to be magic Johnson. That's who he modeled his game after. So the dude can assist as well. I agree with you. What you bring up for Grayson Allen, but it's essential. If he's a slow release, you wrote, you can leave him open a millisecond longer. You normally would other guys. You rotate to Giannis, make him give up the ball, get back in Grayson Allen's face, and make him move. Yeah. That's what's big. It's just what Chris Middleton brings to the floor as also a shot creator because 40% of his buckets were off assists. So he's not a guy that's dependent on catching and shooting or being off the assist like a Grayson Allen, like a Bobby Portis, like a Wes Matthews. Drew Holiday is a good shot creator too. But after what they just did to Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, that's why it gives me a lot of confidence what they could do against a Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton looking at Giannis and going, you're going to beat us, which is what the Bucks yeah. have to depend on. Yeah, not having Chris Middleton for this series potentially is huge for the Celtics. They're definitely catching a break there because that's one assignment they won't have to deal with defensively. Um, but I, I do like that, um, like you mentioned, Drew Holiday. I think that Marcus Smart will be fine in that matchup um, because Marcus is just completely tenacious on defense. That's but two of the best defensive guards in the league, too, which yes, will be fun. Yes, that will be nice to watch. That will be a lot of fun to watch. Um, but Grant Williams, the thing about – I'm just such a Grant stan, and I know I always talk about him, talk especially talk. because he comes off the bench. And like you said, short King Spring, whatever you want to say about that. Um, you got to recheck his height. He's probably like But the thing is that he's always been that way, and, and I, he doesn't back down mm -hmm. from bigger guys, and I don't think that – 
that'll be an issue against Giannis. Um, but again, it will be guarding the entry pass. It will be boxing him out as quickly as you can once a shot goes up. Um, because for Giannis, he's quick off the bounce, quick off of those, like, if he throws up a shot, he's quick to get his own rebound. Um, but I really like Grant, and I think that he's super, he's agile, he's quick, he moves extremely well. Which he wasn't the case a year ago, so his yeah, yearly jump got, has been yeah, massive in shooting and defense. Yeah, yeah, he's gotten a lot better shape, um, so I think that I like seeing Grant on Giannis. Obviously, it'll probably be Al starting on Giannis. It will be. Um, but, and Al Horford is great, too. I mean, he played very well in the opening series, but... I think that's what it's going to be. And what Grant, the energy he brings off the bench, the shooting he brings, but you go back to like what he was doing to Kevin Durant, and you can break down his numbers for being the primary defender on KD. He held him to six for 20 from the floor total mm-hmm. in the series, 18 points, forced five turnovers. But the little things he did, like that one clip, I think it was game four. It was game four where Grant, there was a timeout called, by the Nets, Kevin Durant has the ball, and he, you know every end player just wants to get a shot off, see the ball go through the hoop. And then Kevin Garnett made it famous by always going up through the hoop and denying those shots they can't see him make. Grant Williams followed him with his hand up, put it in his hand like pettiness level, and was like, "You're not getting a shot up. Give that to the ref." He just—it's just like little things like that. And it's his energy off the bench. He was a big catalyst in Game Two in that 17-point comeback. So yep. it's guys like that where the Bucks have the best player in this series in Giannis. But the Celtics have the best team, and they are a team defensively that could go deep, eight deep. Offensively, how Peyton Pritchard's playing, they could go nine deep. And that's what's big for the Seas. And like I, I alluded to earlier, was in game two, you had a 17-point comeback where Jason Tatum played terrible. You come back, I said, that's a sign of a championship team. In game four, Jason Tatum fouls out. Two field 45 left in the game. Mm-hmm. Kyrie hit a big shot. It's a one-shot game all of a sudden but they didn't panic. They shut them down. That's another sign that you would see from a championship team. When mm-hmm. stuff is hitting the fan, your best players on the bench and they make it happen. Cause the Kyrie three made it one Oh nine, one Oh six Durant stole the ball from Jalen Brown and then hit a floater, cut the lead to one with a minute and a half to go. But then they lock down defensively. So it's, it's and they hold on for the win in the sweep. So it's like little moments like that. It's just building the confidence of this team with how talented they are, how good their chemistry is, how well they're clicking. And then you give them confidence on top of that, where they're going to step on the floor and go, we will play our game. We don't have to play the Bucks game. That's what's so big for the Celtics, too. Yeah. Ime said in the postgame presser after the sweep that it was so funny. I love that he said it because he wa- Ime wants all the smoke and he does it so subtly. But he was like, we're not a track team. We're a basketball team. We don't run from anybody. And if they're not going to run from the Nets and Kevin Durant, who I personally think is the best player in the world right now, I know a lot of people say it's Giannis, uh, but if they're not going to run from KD and the Nets, like there's no way they're running from the Bucks. And so this is why I'm really excited to see this because, one, both teams have been playing like two of the top teams in the league this season. And like we said, they're both more evenly matched. Having the Giannis and Tatum kind of, Back and forth is going to be really great because they're very much different players, but seeing how each team is going to be able to handle them is going to be great. Um, but yeah. That, and it goes, it was big to me too. Like you said, they weren't afraid from anyone. They knew they were going to have to go through the Nets eventually. They knew they were going to have to go again through the Bucks eventually. I'm sure on that list too, they pointed to the Miami Heat as the one seed and the 76ers. Mm-hmm. Like, these are the three teams we're most likely to face, four teams we're most likely to face throughout the playoffs. But Jalen Brown mentioned it too, where, where they had the, when Ime was having the conversations of, do we play and go for that two seed? Do you want that? He included the team in that. And Jalen Brown's like, that was big. 
for him to include us in that conversation because he's showing it's truly a team. It's not a coach walking into a room and telling him what to do. Ime Udoka can relate to these guys because he did play. He's been part of championship runs. He's from the Popovich coaching tree. He spent times on the Philadelphia 76ers and Brooklyn Nets bench. Now he's giving that to his guys as well. It's just it goes into the chemistry they have, how well they're gelling. Everyone knows their role too. Marcus Smart, you're the point guard, but you don't have to shoot a ton. Jalen Brown, you're the second best option offensively. Jason, you're the man. You got to take it. And this is something that I remember after the Olympics when Jason Tatum was on the team playing with Kevin Durant. There was a moment he said in a game where he had a shot he'd normally take, passed it to KD, and KD yelled at him mid-game. He's like, dude, shoot that. Go be a killer. Go kill. And Jason, I think for him, that was a big moment. He goes, I'm equal. He is my peer. He's not my big brother for KD at 34 years old to a Jason Tatum who was 23 at the time. That's it. And then he puts a series together like this. The confidence is going through the roof for him and for all his, all his teammates. When your superstar is clicking like that, it's going to trickle down to the rest of the guys. And like I said, one through eight, you see how well they're playing together. Yeah, I think that that happens with every young player in the league, especially when you first come in. I mean, you idolize these guys. You come in, you're, you've been watching them your entire life, and once you're able to play against them, it's like, oh, wait, like, I can still get my own. And I think that that series, that's what happened in the series with the Nets and the Celtics with Jason Tatum. He basically, like, came into his own, and he was getting buckets that maybe he didn't think or maybe we didn't think he would have gotten last season or the season before that. But I think just like you were saying, there was a level of maturity that the Celtics showed in this series. And there are times where, you know, they will rush into possessions and they'll play ISO ball. But for the most part, they play team basketball offensively and defensively. And I think that's going to be key against the Bucks. And I think one thing that is going to be another matchup to look out for is going to be Ime Udoka and Mike Budenholzer, just like you oh, mentioned yeah. that Ime – it's a, a pop coaching tree. Exactly. They both coach under Greg Popovich. Um, but I think that Ime definitely won the coaching battle against Steve Nash and the yeah. Nets. But it's Steve much, Nash. Yeah. He pretty much just stole that coaching matchup. Um, but Ime's done such a great job. And I think that, again, he's gotten all of his guys to buy in into what he wants to do and what he wants to see from them in order for them to be a championship team. Now, the Bucks defensively, what's going to be tough, they're going to shut down the paint. And the Celtics, a big part for them was getting attacking, getting to the rim. But at the same time, Milwaukee is allowing around 43s per game. They're going to dare you to shoot. What jumped out to me is Jason Tatum, Grant Williams, and Al Horford. So three guys, two of your starters, one guy off the bench combined to all make more than 2.3 threes per game in the first round and combined their average around 50% makes from deep too. Mm. So that's big. You got They're going to dare you to shoot. You have to hit those shots because mm -hmm. that's going to start bringing out a Brooke I mean, Lopez. the Nets were daring Grant Williams to shoot, and I and thought he was that hitting it was them. great. Yeah. And that's going to bring Giannis out of the paint. They got the rim protectors. The size difference is going to be so big here. Nick Claxton isn't the rim protector anymore. Right. It's Brooke Lopez. It's Giannis Antetokounmpo. Right. And for what the Bucks do, they are a defensive team too. Yeah. I think it goes back, and I'll keep giving flowers to your boy, and you called it, but what Grant Williams showed me in the first round, to me, that's he's going to be the X factor in this series. Him and Al Horford, because those are the guys You're that are going to, when they're on the floor, they'll be the primary defenders on Giannis. Al's going to start on him. Mm -hmm. Grant's going to have to come off the bench. And hey, Giannis is your assignment. But how can you stop him? And then on top of that, what can you get done on the other end of the floor? Can you hit your shots? They're not afraid of the moment. They really are not. You know, and it's a lot of homegrown guys for the Celtics. Grant Williams, Robert Williams, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown. That's what's really cool about this. And for the Bucks, a lot of homegrown guys too. Yep. Really excited to see this matchup. Who do you guys your X factor in this? Ooh, uh, for the Celtics. Yeah. Oh man. Um, I would have to. I. I mean, I probably would stick with 
Grant right now only because of the huge assignment that they have with Giannis. But I also do think that it's just it is so huge that the Celtics have Robert Williams back for the series, yeah. for the entire series. And I think that he's going to play a huge role for them defensively um, against Giannis, against uh, Brooke Lopez. So, I mean, I think I'm going to go – I think I'm going to go with Rob in this one. That's, I mean, that's so solid, yeah. especially, like, he played 17 minutes and 16 minutes, and he didn't pack the stat sheet, but – his simple influence around the rim. Yeah, he makes you an impact. Yeah. He makes a, a, you saw a the Nets impact. are like, we're not going to do floaters. We're going to be more decisive right. about attacking the rim. Right. And they held, held, held KD out of the paint all series long, mm-hmm. too. They got to do the same. For me, it also, the X factor, it's, it sounds like corny, but I'll say it, the home court advantage and the momentum the Celtics have to yeah. me is just huge. It's, when you see a series, They haven't lost a game yet in the postseason. They're the only team that hasn't yeah, lost a playoff. And when you see a series going seven, where is that game seven going to be? The rafters, TD Garden was shaking in game two. I cannot imagine what it's like going to be in the second round with a better team in the building, a more competitive series. Celtics are going to catch an L in this series. So when they come back to the Garden, how does that crowd respond? To me, that's just going to be a huge factor in all this. Yeah, I think what was also big, too, was that the Celtics fans traveled. I mean, obviously, New York is right there. But they were packed. They packed it in at Barclays Center. So that was also huge for the Celtics to have their fan base there. Um, granted, they were going to win that series regardless, but I think that the fact that they had their fans travel with them was great. But yeah. I mean, MVP chance for Jason Tatum in Brooklyn, right? In Brooklyn, in a playoff, game, right? In Game Three, it's huge. Yeah, it's huge. And one thing I noticed too, um, the fourth quarter, I point out after Game Two about Jalen Brown because he had ten points sprinkled around Peyton Pritchard with the go-ahead long mm-hmm. two for that comeback. Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart. Jalen Brown in the fourth quarter, game one, six of 16 from the floor. That was their off game. Tatum, his first make was that buzzer beater. But since yeah. then, game two, seven for 10, three for five from three. Jalen Brown's four for six. Game three, 10 for 19. Game four, seven for 11 from the floor, two for three from three. And the last two, three minutes without Tatum on the floor. I pointed out before this uh, playoffs began, my worry, our worry was them in clutch time. Yeah. The offense gets out of sync. Yeah. They had a 58.8 defensive rating in clutch time. Their net rating was 60.2, given you're going against a really bad Nets defense. But mm-hmm. what did they proved us wrong in our biggest mm-hmm. area of concern. They mm-hmm. can close out games. Mm-hmm. They weren't doing that. They, for a moment in game two, it looked like they couldn't do that. And it starts with their three main guys. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's huge. It's playoff time. And I think every guy out there knows that it's like it's do or die every game. Like it doesn't matter if this is a decider or not. They've got to get it together. And I think that towards the end of the season, we did see that they are able to finish games. I mean, I, I go back to that one game that I covered in Miami when they kind of blew it with like four minutes left in the fourth. But other than that, it seemed like they were kind of getting it together. And I think now it's kind of showing some more. I can't even say consistency because we just talked about game one and how Jason and, um, and Jalen were kind of invisible in the end of the fourth quarter. But as the series progressed, they got better down the stretch. And I think that's something that they will have to consistently work on. And if you want to be a championship team, if you want to win in the postseason, you have to be able to play the full game. And Marcus Smart said it. Game one and game two, they were getting the game plan together. Game three rolled around. They were rolling. Yeah. Like, they were like, all right, Ime got They're us. They're super confident. I mean, if you get two wins against Kevin Durant and Kyrie And how Irving, you're doing it. Yeah. Like, if you're shutting them down. Kyrie goes God mode in game one, yeah. then he's in, he's non-existent in game two. Right, right. Yeah. But that's that's a confidence booster in itself. They It's it's confidence in the players. Yeah. It's confidence in the coaching staff. I can't say how important that is. Because yeah. they look at Ime Odoka. They look at a guy that walked their walk, has been where they've been, and genuinely wants to see them really succeed and do well. 
And that's a guy that's been calling them out tough love, and they're taking it. They're owning it. Mm-hmm. They're all they're all grown-ass dudes. Mm-hmm. Jason Tatum's young. He's 24. They're grown-ass dudes. They are. They want that because they want to win. They know what their goals are. Absolutely. What do, you, what do you think about the 1 p.m. tip on Sunday? I'm a little sus about that. Why? It's early. It These is, are primetime it's, it's, it's guys. Sunday. It's Sunday. Noon, noon local time for the Bucks, at least. It's Sunday. Tip it at 3. I mean, who wants to be, respectfully, who's trying to be up at... 10 p.m. on a Sunday watching me, the watching end of the game. No, me. thank you. We have work on Monday, George. Some of us have to work. Coffee. You don't drink um, coffee. But I do. I like the 1 p.m. tip. I mean, the Celtics have had some days off, so I'm sure that they're itching to get back out there. I like the 1 p.m. tip. You know, you wake up, have some breakfast, maybe go to brunch, <laughs> walk on over to TD Garden. You You're ready Sunday for the game. Yeah. Time. No, I'm. I'm. I, I love the 1 p.m. tip on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I mean I that, that. that's going to be the game that sets a table for the day in the NBA. Yep. And it's interesting they have the three days off because game two will be on Tuesday. Then Saturday that was they get that primetime ABC slot, probably like yeah. a seven o'clock, seven thirty tip. Yeah, so they have three days off. That's big for Al Horford. That's good for Robert Williams <laughs> yes. with his knee. Yeah, and because when I saw that initially, I was like, that's brutal in a sense of for the fans. Like I don't want to wait three days. And I thought, too, that gives Chris Middleton more time. He's out of the picture in this one. Yeah, because they're estimating two weeks for him. Yeah, so he, he sprained his MCL a week and a half ago. They're going to reassess him in the two-week window. Right. But Shams is reporting that he's done for this series. So it's worse than they thought. Okay. It's, a grade, it's a grade two MCL sprain. Okay. You know, knees, knees are ins- it's insane because we see what Rob Williams did three mm-hmm. and a half weeks after his meniscus surgery, mm-hmm. and Chris Middleton is missing the second round of the playoffs. Right. But it's stretched out. You get that rest. Al Horford's going to need every day of rest after what he's got to yeah, do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be huge for Al and for Rob and for Grant for them to get the necessary rest. I mean, Giannis is a big dude, man, and he makes every time Giannis like hits someone, like it hurts. Like he Ugh. he makes it hurt because he's just so strong, and he will literally like go up and through guys at the rim. Yeah. So those days of rest are going to be huge, and for Al, I mean, Al he shows up so much for the Celtics team, and he's such a leader. And I think that, especially in the first series, we saw maybe he wasn't uh, getting off as many shots as we thought or whatever. But just his presence on the floor with them and his impact is extremely calming. It helps all the guys remember what their assignments are. And he's just great in that leadership role. So we need Al. So I saw game one. They need Al. (laughs) I checked on FanDuel. I'm going with their spread. Celtics four-and-a-half-point favorite. So obviously, Bucks four-and-a-half-point dogs on the road. What are you feeling about game one? Um, I like that the Celtics are a four and a half point favorite. Would um, you play that? Yes, I would. I'm still. I'm thinking right now. Um, I would. I would play that. I do. I like that the Celtics are favored in the first game, obviously because they have home court advantage and they're just coming off of a sweep. Um, it's big again. Like I went to the last series, get that first two games at home. Yeah. Again, let your role players get clicking. This is a better Bucks defense. But see, this is the thing. That four and a half is a lot. <laughs> so I, it is. So I thought that in the first series with the Celtics and Nets, I thought that they would split the first four. Like I thought yeah. that Brooklyn would get a win in, at TD Garden. Yeah. And so for this series, I do think that Milwaukee will pull out a win in TD Garden. I don't think it's, I don't know if it's going to be game one or game two. That's a tough one. Honestly. Yeah. Um, and we still but I think okay. that they, yeah, I think they split. Because you know, we'll see Saturday. All of a sudden, the series spread will come out. Right. How many games you expect it to go? We'll see player props come out. Right. That four and a half, I'd rather like to see that shrink to say three and a half. 
you know, I'm comfortable at that number for the Celtics just because okay. of how good this Bucks team is. And they can shoot the ball too. If I'm going with the Celtics defense, I'm going to Celtics uh, Bucks matchup. I got to see what the over unders at. But I think I'd lean more under than going spread on this one. But that's what's big. So you think we're going, we'll go betting aside on this one. What do you think uh, for game one? You say Celtics get game one. You see I Bucks think, bouncing back game Yeah, two. I think Celtics get game one. I think. Just give it give it a game for Giannis to see what that defense throws his way. Now, what I want to touch on, obviously, this series, and I said it in our last episode, the Celtics will go as far as Jason Tatum goes. But we can't say enough of what he showed us in the first round series. Kawhi Leonard with a deeper bag. But that's what he's done defensively and how efficient and also how dominant he can be on offense. And this is a guy that we've seen it throughout this year. We've seen him get into the MVP combo. Now, nationally, people are going, wait, is, is Tatum top 10? Is he top five? <laughs> I got him top eight in the league right now. Okay. I would even go top seven. It depends on who you leave out. But you got Giannis, KD, LeBron, Jokic, Kawhi, Luka. Then you have Steph. You got Joel Embiid. That's my eight. Okay. You know? And that's why it goes. But... I put Tatum in that conversation, but the guy blocked two Kevin Durant shots. Unheard of. He's a foul away from it being three in one series. Averaged 37 and four and a half. And the maturity in his game, I went back to that moment he had with Kevin Durant at the Olympics, but he didn't care who he's guarding. He didn't care who's guarding him. He was going out to kill. And he's gotten the respect. He's moved past that mentality of I'm playing and I'm looking up to my role models mm-hmm. as these are my equals now. And now I'm surpassing some of them. Like this is my league to take. Yeah. He's definitely playing like an MVP, especially the way that he gets his buckets. Like there are some shots where it's like, you know, that was just all confidence right there. Like he just knew that that was going to go in. Like he's just rising up over dudes, especially like there was one turnaround that he had on the baseline that I was just like, Whoa, like I, I wouldn't have expected that to go in maybe a year or two ago for Jason Tatum. But, yeah, he's, I mean, he's playing like an MVP. I mean, you're shutting down Kevin Durant. You're making him look like he first got into the league. Like, absolutely. I think that he can be in, like, you know, an MVP, future MVP conversation. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It's cool when you go and when you look at what the layout of the playoffs is now, where LeBron never made it, KD's eliminated, Kawhi didn't play, but the Clippers got eliminated. So now we are literally seeing the next generation Giannis, Tatum, Joel. We're seeing the best players, Jokic in the West, D Book, Chris Paul. We're seeing those guys now flourish. So now we're getting a peek at the next generation of the best players in the league. Mm-hmm. The old heads are out and they still got it. Mm-hmm. They're having they're not passing that torch yet. But Kevin Durant at thirty four years old, who knows how much more prime he's got left in him. You know, was it his legs, was a it lot. Tatum's defense? I think so too. But now we're just gonna see these young stars shine. And then of course out in the West too though, the Warriors are creeping with Steph, Absolutely. with Clay. With you Dre, can never count with out Jordan the Poole now, yeah, and you can't you, with all that experience. Clay looks and like like Clay looked before the ACLs. Yeah, he's going out and being yeah. a bucket for them, which yeah. is amazing. And then you see what Chris Paul's doing without Devin Booker, and what how Mikhail yeah. Bridges played for them. We'll get to that in a little bit, but we're just seeing like for him once again, like you know, he's the guy that he's a straw that stirs a drink. Book is a guy that will take them there because he gives them that next level push. But Chris Paul is still the guy that holds and ties everything together. Right, because he has the most experience. Yeah. And as we're talking about old heads getting out, obviously we saw a very interesting series for Kyrie Irving. Interesting series for the Nets all around. But Kyrie, after game three, saying, you know, they've had more time to gel. We haven't had time to gel. And it's like, well, dude, be aware. Like, you're the reason James Harden left. 
he wanted to get out of that scenario. You with your vac- refusal to get vaccinated, that's a reason you guys couldn't gel. A lot of the drama mm-hmm. and pressure. Then after game four, I laughed when he said, yeah, I'm going to stick around. I'm looking forward to building this team with, with Kay and Sean and John. <laughs> and I'm looking uh, to Joseph man- to aside. managing the team. Yeah, yeah, literally saying I'm going to be in this convo, saying the quiet thing out loud, how the superstars basically run the teams because when it comes down to it we all knew that though respectfully we knew but he's saying the quiet thing but it's when it's a guy like Kyrie you're just like you're letting like you're really gonna let that guy in it because it's not dependable Kevin Durant's a different story Kyrie has just not been there but the big thing too Ben Simmons never showed up and he had nothing to gain if he plays in that game before the Nets had nothing to gain they're down 0-3 they're getting skunked but you and me have talked about this plenty in the office I've been back and forth my Ben Simmons thing is a longer term look at it but what we're seeing right now and with the discourse on him on social media this is a situation we've never seen before in sports because this is a guy that, yes, he's dealing with a limited game, but obviously mentally there's something there because his confidence, I don't, I'm, I have no inside source on this. I don't want to sound like I'm in the know, but from what I view, his confidence is rock bottom. This guy needs to spend an entire offseason where he's time to breathe, get with the Nets coaches, get with his own mental health therapist, whatever, whatever it may be sports psychiatrist and take the time and go okay am I ready and I want to get ready to play basketball again yeah he definitely needs a fresh start I don't think that them inserting him into the postseason would have been a great decision for them because what would you have really been getting from him or for him personally I think that obviously we know that he's going through some mental health challenges and he's not the first athlete to go through mental health challenges I think that everyone has a different way of going about things Kevin Kevin Love DeMar DeRozan Paul George are all outspoken right Ben Simmons does not owe that to anybody he no. does not need to 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 be transparent and vulnerable with what he's going right. through. He no, doesn't he owe does, it. He doesn't owe it to anyone, especially not the fans or yeah. media too. Right. For he what does, he's he getting really, Yeah, he needs to deal with that on his own time and his own terms. And I think that the off season is a great way for him to continue to grow in that area and for him to start fresh in the regular season next year. He needs time to just you know what, I'm here, I'm in a better headspace. Um, he has more time to work on his game because he hasn't played in over a year. Uh, so I think that the offseason will be great for him, but there was no reason for him to rush back into play in the postseason at all. And so seeing a lot of people saying, you know what, he's not even going to play, and there were a lot of people criticizing him, and you know the Nets were coming out saying potentially he could play and things like that, and I don't necessarily think that. They should have done that, really. Shame um, on Ben's team for letting that leak. Whoever got that out of putting that... Because Steve Nash was like, I don't know when he's coming back. And I, there got to a point where people were like, he's hiding right. it. I was like, I think he legit doesn't know. Whoever's on Ben's team that was putting out four to six game four, game six return, like, what are you doing? Because I mean, it's just it's, more pressure yeah, you're putting it's all, on the guy. It's all smoke and mirrors. I don't think that he... Yeah, that should But why have, even float it out yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree you with know? you. I agree with you. They shouldn't have. But I think that... Ben, this offseason, I think, will be crucial for him. And then when he comes back next year and we see how he adjusts to this new situation and how he plays and if he actually has evolved and developed his game, then we can start to talk about those things more. But as far as, you know, I I can't say anything about some of the challenges that he goes through because I don't speak to him. I don't know him as a person. Um, and I think that, you know, we all just need to remember that. Yeah. And I think what's big for Ben is you, you've seen him throughout Philly. He stepped in first, no, uh, first overall pick sky high expectations, had to hit the ground running from day one with Philadelphia. You're the number two. Joel's a guy, everyone, the city's always going to love Joel more than him. Maybe he didn't like that. I don't know. But at the same time, I see where the actual Philly fans that are logical in this 
what they saw was a guy that never developed a mid-range shot at minimum. But you'd see in the offseason him putting out videos of him running in L.A. fitness, pickup game, hitting jumpers. Like, we don't care about that. Just show up, give us more than finishing around the rim and passing. And at the same time, this is a guy that since he was brought up, his dad forced him to learn how to shoot with his left hand, but he's naturally a righty. His layups, he finishes with his right hand. J.J. Reddick said he saw him shoot with a right hand. He was like, why don't you do that more often? Like, stick to that. This is a dude that has all the talent in the world, but like his upbringing very well could spill into this. Where, And it goes in where it was focused in Philly. Instead of looking at the all-star nominations you get, the first team all pros here and how good he was defensively, where he took him in the postseason, no matter what, Philadelphia fans looked at him and said, yeah, but you're not doing this. When he's like, but I got us here. How is this not good enough? But that's a guy, I, I do go back, he he needs to improve his free throw shooting. Just, just do the little things. Because there's a part, you got to help yourself to take off the pressure. You're playing, you're getting paid, you're going to be in front of millions of people, they're still going to criticize you. But at the same time, like you said, we don't know what he's going through. He's got to take the offseason because it's tough. He went to Brooklyn. It's not like he went to Sacramento. Went to another place with high expectations. Mid-season gets traded there and he's going to have to hit the ground running again. And that was like a, a, fa- a team expected to make the finals. So that was a tough situation for him to be in. Yeah, it definitely, I mean, being a professional athlete comes with a lot of pressure. It comes with a lot of responsibility too. And yeah. I don't blame Sixers fans for feeling the way that they feel about Ben Simmons. I don't. The logical a, ones. Yeah, a, a lot of things could have gone a lot differently and maybe definitely could have been handled better. Um, it's almost, it's, I, I kind of relate it to the Celtics Kyrie situation, how Celtics fans feel about Kyrie. Like you were there, there were certain expectations that as a star or as a number one overall pick, like Ben, that these fans have for you. And then if you don't perform or if things don't necessarily go that way, then obviously there's going to be some pushback. I don't feel like I feel completely, um, aligned or like whatever with how Sixers fans could feel as far as his game is concerned. There are things off the court that it seems like he's dealing with. We'll just have to see how he evolves in Brooklyn. And that's a guy because he met with the Sixers before this season, I believe. And he said, he's like, I just want a fresh start. He met with Doc Rivers. Yeah, things, he was are, with bad. Rich Paul. things are bad there. He said, he's like, I just want to get a fresh start. Yeah. And the Sixers obviously wanted to get a return on him. And Daryl Morey's guy's always been James Harden. And since the trade rumors were floated when, when James Harden was first trying to get out of Houston, that was there, that kind of broke off Ben with Philly too. And then you go into after the game where Doc Rivers says, I don't know how to answer that when asked, Is he a po- can he be a point guard for a championship team? When Joel Embiid said the turning point was when – we didn't shoot at the rim. We only made one free throw. They came back and scored. It's a lot of, hey, everything that went wrong is on you. It's a, just more and more pressure they're forcing on him. Mm-hmm. Two-way street. Like I said, dude, mid-range game. Not You don't have to be a guy that makes it rain from three. Look at Giannis and the growth he did. But at the same time, and we compare Ben Simmons and Giannis Antetokounmpo a lot because it's not like Giannis is a sixth shooter, but he's made gro- growth throughout his game. Mm-hmm. Giannis came in 18th pick, an anomaly from Greece. A big mystery, had time to grow. Milwaukee sucked his first few years there, and he got better. He put on size. He grew his game. He got a supporting cast around him, and still a team with low, low, low expectations. It's Milwaukee. It's not Philly. Boston, New York, Philly, probably the three toughest sports markets. Giannis grows, wins a ring. Ben's over here saying, get me out of here, and I I can't blame him on that. Yeah, he's got some things that he's got to figure out. It seems like he is figuring them out, hopefully, but... All we can do is wait until October. I think it's a big thing too, and it's you may have talked about this like the whole week. I always, I always turn around to sh- throw scenarios your way, but it's we don't know with Ben, and they're the people out there that go with low hanging fruit of memes and jokes and in media, just in general, it's like just 
approach it sucks it's really frustrating to see it's weird but like i said we've never seen this before with a pro athlete mm-hmm. and doesn't hurt to have some empathy in this and go you know what until i know everything because no one knows anything until i know everything let me just hold my opinion on that you yeah know? all right so let's finish this up with just a re- around the league and the rest of the playoffs i just want to go quick the heat I called you out for, hey, where you were right. Yeah. You said Hawks over Heat. I Ooh, did. Gentlemen's I did. And without Jimmy Butler in the deciding game, but Victor Oladipo, again, a team that goes deep. He Shout started. out Victor Oladipo, man. I love it. He, he's dealt with his quad injuries. Huge Victor Oladipo fan. Yeah. Comes in off the bench uh, in game four, then in game five, started with Jimmy Butler out. 23 points, 50% from the floor. And the Heat as a whole on defense held Trey Young to one basket in the paint in games four and five. Yes, they have... Trey Young's number. Um, I was not expecting that to happen, obviously, because I thought that the Hawks would take the series, which was a reach. It was a reach. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they completely took him out of sorts. It was exactly like what the Celtics did to Kevin Durant is what the Heat did to Trey Young. So, I mean, shout out to them. The Heat played great defense. I mean, oh, my gosh, when you look at some of their possessions, it's – I com- I'm going to compare this to the Celtics again, but it's uh, there's no drop-offs on defense. Everyone's switching. Everyone's in the passing lanes. Everyone They're they're trapping. It's like they're suffocating them. And then when you're suffocating in Atlanta Hawks teams who runs through Trey Young, what are you going to do? You get. No, yeah. the Heat are legit. I touched on it with Spo. It's, it's the East is the juggernaut in this postseason for once. The West is Warriors or Suns coming out of it. The East is a juggernaut. And I, I, I go, I'm still leaning on the Suns. You see what Mikael Bridges did against the Pelicans? Mikael Bridges, Villanova. Yeah, of course. Yeah, shout, shout out, shout out, Biggies. But like Mikael Bridges has been stepping up, um, just lockdown defense from what he's been doing, and you know taking the pressure off Chris Paul, giving them rest in their games too. It's, I'm impressed by the Suns. I'm impressed by the Warriors who finally closed out the Nuggets themselves. It, it's amazing you think if Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr. I'm leaning on more of Jamal Murray, what that series could have been with Denver and Golden State. Mm-hmm. But the Warriors close them out. Like you said, Steph is Steph, Clay is Clay. Yeah. Jordan Poole is most improved player. Yeah. And there's still that's still a team that's without Wiseman, but Jonathan Kaminga's growing. Like the Warriors aren't going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, especially like fighting through injuries and things like that. I mean, a lot of people counted out the Warriors. Uh, but they've obviously proved themselves. I mean, I Steph Curry is Steph Curry. Like he is just a walking entertainer. I mean, he just he does what he does. But I've been so happy to see Clay Thompson kind of come in and just come back into his old game and how he was able to get shots so, like, effortlessly. And we saw that in this series. So we'll see how far the Warriors can go. All right. I got Celtics in seven. You say Celtics in six, in right? In six, yeah. Because she hates agreeing with me, guys. Right. Chelsea, I always love sitting down and talking <laughs> with you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nets and Celtics podcast. We'll have full coverage for you guys throughout the week. Chell will be there at game one. Mark it down. Another Eastern Conference Finals like matchup in the second round. Celtics Bucks tips off at Sun Sunday. Every week we'll have updates for you guys on this podcast. Thanks so much for listening.